Welcome once again to the Letterman Podcast. I am Mike Chisholm, uh, your tour guide on this cavalcade of uh, irre- irre- irreverence, but not irrelevant, uh, the great- celebrating the greatest body of work in broadcasting history, that of David Letterman and company. Um, we have one sponsor on this show so far, um, and it is we're hap- happy to say that it is Rupert G. and the Hello Deli. So, um, so isn't that great? Casey, there's Casey, there's our, our guest. We're gonna give her a proper intro, but Casey's here, and uh, and and I love, I love when I say that. How many of our guests get that little? Oh, when I say Rupert G. and the Hello Deli, one of the kindest humans on the entire planet, uh, Rupert G. Uh, uh, runs the sand with the soup and sandwich shop along with his business partner, May, in the womb of the Ed Sullivan Theater. Um, go for a sandwich, go for some soup. But if you want official Late Show with David Letterman merchandise, like this mug, like, uh, actually, I think Scott's book is still there. I think you can still get Scott Ryan's book, The Last Days of Letterman, there. Uh, Rupert G. t-shirts, all of that stuff. Please go to hello-deli.com and uh, and retrieve uh, said merchandise. Uh, Rupert will pack it with care himself uh, before he sends you the package. And... Uh, uh, and 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 if you ask him really nicely, he may add onions to it. Um, so we are we're really excited. Um, uh, the trajectory of this show uh, is certainly um, it has it has uh, gone a lot quicker than I ever anticipated that it has. I'm so grateful. I love doing this. Broken record saying that. Uh, today's guest. I'm really excited about today's guest. Um, many of you know that I, I also host a, a men's mental wellness podcast. It's a personal development kind of a thing. And 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 in that show, many times, um, I'm a big fan of personal development. I'm a big fan of, of, of uh, watching the evolution of, of success, the evolution of somebody uh, working towards their dreams. We've got a guest here who basically started her uh, show business career trying to figure out what she was going to end up becoming. Um, with the folks at Worldwide Pants. Uh, very, very cool. Her Self-described when she started working for David Letterman in 1993 at the time where I don't know if there was a celebrity more talked about in uh, in, in in pop culture than Dave. If there was, uh, there weren't very many of them. Um, started her career in show business right at the epicenter of that madness, and um, I, I'm really excited uh, to to have seen her not just not just go and stay in the pants family, but to move away. Uh, ended up working at Rosie O'Donnell, became a writer, and then a showrunner for Busy Phillips's show. Um, amazing trajectory. I love that. Uh, Busy, of course, uh, you know, suffered a setback, um, and, and but they have continued on and weathered on. And not only that, uh, are creating some really cool content. Uh, Busy Phillips is doing her best is the podcast that Casey is currently on. I want to talk about Letterman stuff. I want to talk about the trajectory that led her to where she is right now. And for those of you who haven't heard of that podcast, but are extreme David Letterman fans, uh, in October of 2020, I think, no, 2020, October 2020, David Letterman actually appeared on that podcast. So if we want a bit of a gateway drug into how awesome a show Busy Phillips is doing her best is, uh, you've got it right there. Um, and uh, and also, I would also like to say that uh, if, if, if you haven't seen it yet, we're going to post simultaneously with this. We're going to repost. Walter and company have put up uh, Casey's um, uh, staff 
uh, memories on the Letterman yeah. podcast or the. <laughs> the letterman youtube channel so we're yeah. gonna post that up as well uh casey saying on thank you so much for taking oh, time for out of your me. really busy schedule this is awesome having you here oh thanks i'm i'm excited to be here excited to meet you oh man i uh i think i'm more excited to meet you but hopefully those <laughs> tables might get a little bit closer before the end of this show that would be really really cool um I want to. I, I, I want to start at the beginning. Um, I want to. I want to actually, not to pick apart what Walter and, and 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 company have put up, but I mean, when I saw that highlight reel, of 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 your favorite moments, um, <laughs> and the way that they expertly edited them all together, um, right there, holy smokes! Were you ever thrown into a storm of 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 excitement and 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 show business when you started? with with the late show yeah i really was i mean it was a confluence a perfect storm i guess kind of um i went to a small college in my hometown uh i lived at home a rural town in massachusetts i'm a farm girl and so my college required that you do an internship. And um, this is like, not to toot my own horn, but I graduated from college in three years because, and that's not because I'm a super genius or anything like that. It's really just because I was working uh, the graveyard shift in a nursing home to put myself through college. And I really just wanted to get through it. I just wanted college to be over. I wanted it to stop being a thing that I had to pay for so that I could just get a job and, you know, live my yeah. life. And so, um, so my internship came up really fast and my college, God bless them. Uh, my advisor said, you know, um, we can set you up with this lighting rental warehouse in Boston. And I was like, lighting rental warehouse. Okay. I was like, let me, let me let that be the backup. I had some inkling <laughs> that I wanted to be a writer. And uh, so someone from my college had done an internship at uh, late night um, mm -hmm. some years before. And um, my boyfriend who is my husband now but my he was already living in new york also went to the same college and uh he was working at comedy central he had been an intern there and had been hired there uh and so i you know i let the lighting warehouse be my backup but then also got my boyfriend's boss at comedy central to say you definitely have an internship here if if nothing else pans out and I applied at Saturday Night Live and I just applied at everything that was in New York. And uh, I got a call from late night because it was still late night at that time asking me, you know, can you come in for an for an interview? And so I was like, yeah, sure. You know, and this is back in the days when like internships didn't pay anything and nope. you know you sort of had to just figure out like how you were gonna like there wasn't some dormitory that i was going to live in or whatever so um i took the bus to new york city uh went in for my interview and i met with um susan schreier who is our internship director and uh she just was like i'm just gonna take you around and this is at 30 rock this is i'd never been to 30 rockefeller plaza Hallowed grounds and entertainment. Hallowed ground, I mean, yep. for, for entertainment. And um, so she was like, I'm just going to take you around to the department. And so I 
very early in the day, like met with a writer and then just got met with another writer and met with another writer. And uh, I was having a great time talking to all these guys that you were just talking about, um, mm -hmm. Steve Young, Steve mm -hmm. O'Donnell. I remember that conversation because he knew everything about my hometown. And I was like, are you from nearby there? And he was like, no, I just know stuff about towns. You know, that was like, Wait, okay. which Steve was that, 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 that steve o'donnell that was o'donnell yeah yeah steve young is is from massachusetts so we had that in common but uh yeah <laughs> but just meeting with all those guys and and it was going on for such a long time and i sort of was like you know i'm not one to be like i'm killing this or whatever i'm not that's not my <clears throat> excuse me sorry to cough on your podcast are you kidding um, me that <laughs> any bodily function is acceptable on the letterman <laughs> podcast that is not who I am. Sorry, I'm <laughs> losing my voice. <laughs> Hold on one second. That's okay. A tasty beverage is also encouraged. <clears throat> yes, I'm like trying to, I don't know why I have a frog in my throat. But um, yeah, so I wasn't, I certainly at that age wasn't confident in what I was doing, but I was like, these writers are really meeting with me for a long time. And so maybe like, you know, maybe I kind of have a chance at getting this internship, like in the writing department. And then Susan came and found me and she was like, where have you been? And I was like, oh, I was meeting with like every single writer. And she was like, they already picked their intern like two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, and she was like, they're probably, they're just talking to you. They just like to talk, you know? And I was sort of like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, so I was kind of like, you know, peaks and valleys, right? I was like, well, I guess I wasted my whole day talking to people that didn't need an intern. Um, and she was like, well, there's one more office that needs an intern. So she brought me in to talk to this woman, Lori Diamond, who I didn't know who she was at the time. Oh, man. Um, and, and it's she, okay, hold on. Is yeah. it, it's probably good you didn't know who she was at the time, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. <laughs> I, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I, I just knew that as soon as I got there, she introduced herself. I'm Dave's executive assistant and, you know, we need an intern. And just at that time, like Dave came out of his office and he was like asking for something. And then, you know, they're very polite there. So they were like, oh, Dave, this is Casey. She's here to interview for an internship. And so because he, you know, he's the interviewer that he is, he just took over the interview and he was like, cool, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? Cool shoes. Uh, and, uh, then he was like, well, pretty much the only thing my intern needs to know how to do is drive a stick shift. Can you do that? And I was like, no, sir, I cannot, I do not know how to drive a stick shift. And he was like, okay, great. Nice to meet you. And I was like, great. Okay. Bye. <laughs> so then I, I kind of thought like, that's it, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's it. And I'm not getting this job. And so um, I guess I hung out in the city for the weekend and then went back home and was like, I, it might be the lighting warehouse, you know, it might be that might, it might not be worth it for me to go and do an internship at Comedy Central. That yeah. might not, because also we were talking about like, not to get too personal, like our parents were kind of old fashioned and I didn't have any friends in the city. So our plan was to kind of like my boyfriend and I live together to share expenses, mostly, you know. In a um, time where people would at least raise their eyebrows at that, at certain people from a certain place and time and mindset. Yeah, and, and yeah. especially our parents, and especially because yeah. I was a little bit younger uh, for a person who was just about to graduate from college. 
And um, yeah, and so, and also, by the way, when we were applying for apartments, um, some apartments wouldn't rent to people that were <laughs> not married. So I think we were saying that we were married on some of our applications. That's the early 1990s, everyone. You and I, um, you and I are, are from, from the Gen X generation where we yeah. can look at the our baby boomer parents and we can look at the millennial offspring and and beyond uh and 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 kind of go okay it was a different time you got to understand yeah, it was a different it time sure and was. we can say it from many angles right yes. now can't we yeah it sure was a different time so um yeah so i was just getting very anxious about what my future was going to be and then finally got a call from susan saying like uh you got picked to be an intern in Dave's office. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, <laughs> is that a mistake? Like, I, like, we specifically discussed how I can't do the one thing that he needs someone to do. So over that summer, I knew that I had to report for duty, like, I think August 15th. Um, and over Holy that summer, cow. that's <laughs> 10 days before. Yeah, that's like during test shows, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was, it was before test shows for sure. Okay. Um, But yeah, so I was, um, I made a half-hearted attempt to learn how to drive a stick shift. It's just not something that's like in my DNA. <laughs> Never going to be in my DNA, I don't think. Uh, I think there's a reason we've evolved away from it um, as a society, which I know Dave would disagree with. So anyway, yeah, so I didn't, Real, I mean, I in a pinch, I guess I could get one down the street. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I went back to New York. My husband and I said, said that we were already married and got an apartment in the village together. And like that was enough for I think we also told our parents that we were going to live with a third friend because that seemed more innocent. Um, but we weren't. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so it was just us. And uh, yeah, got an apart a tiny apartment in the village really tiny like that like i burst out into tears when i first saw it because my husband had like gone and done the recon yeah ahead of time um and uh whenever i saw it he had described it to me as it's about as big as your bedroom back home and like i lived in a modest house uh a modest cape cod cottage and so i was like okay we could like both squeeze into like a room and live in a room the size of my bedroom it was not even close to the size of my bedroom <laughs> in that cottage so yeah so i burst out crying uh and it was just you know like it's so wild i new york is so much bigger than boston which i hadn't really been to that many yeah, times it's gigantic. yeah you know and just just a whole different world and like you have to remember this is like pre-internet this is pre you know just i'd only ever seen it in movies i i think i'd only ever been there once on one day trip to mm -hmm. like a museum um so yeah so i reported to work and uh my first one of my first jobs was to like fetch things from 30 rock that were in the old late night offices and bring them over to the Ed Sullivan Theater, which they were still working on, you know, right up wow. until the last minute they were like they were bringing in the set, but they also had just completely like this. This was like a derelict abandoned theater, basically. Yeah. And so they had completely restored it. And so um, in record yeah. time. 
in, in a record, very, very short period of time. Yeah, very short time. And so it was something that they were just working on right up until the last minute. And as I was getting there and moving Dave into his office, um, Kathleen Anchors, our set designer, was, you know, moving in the set pieces. And so that was just, it was a really, really cool experience to see, you know, just that show, like to to start my first show on a fresh show that was yeah. just starting. And, um, and then, you know, it, it premiered and it was a smash hit and uh, I got it probably in my mind somewhere. Oh, I'm like a lucky charm. You know, <laughs> like this is, this is somehow because of like my good vibes that I brought to this place. No, I didn't think that, but I did develop that feeling over time. I got to ask you about this though, because I mean, I appreciate you being, um, you know, playful about this, but at the same time, farm girl, you know, head down, uh, you know, graveyard shifts, college, getting through it done. Um, you and, and 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 your alleged husband uh, <laughs> at the time, you know, working for Comedy Central again, an upstart at that point. We yeah. just had Vinny Favalli on uh, on the show. That's that that's just dropping uh, the day after you and I record this. Uh, oh, I mean, great. I mean, it's so. And then you going and working for at again at the time. You talk about smash hit. All eyes in America were on the Late Show. Yes. Like it was, it was, it was massive. Yeah. I, I get the impression that at the time you did not understand the gravity of what you were a part of when it comes to the annuals of television history. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was hard to know, you know, again, like I had no experience in the space yep. and, um, and also like, I just had probably not as much here's the truth, probably not as much pop culture experience because I had been working like pretty extensively at jobs since I was like 14. So right. I didn't like watch a ton, a ton of television in that way, yes. you know? And so um, where I knew Dave from is that like when my parents were still married before they divorced when I was 10. Mm -hmm. um, we had like a main TV in the house and then my bedroom was like in the den where the second TV was. Yep. And my dad would come in and watch late night. He would sit and try to like watch late night quietly on the edge of the bed where I was sleeping. Oh, and wow. he would laugh and like shake the bed and wake me up. And I'd be like, "Ugh, dad, what are you watching? And so, I mean, and I had to have been young because like from, well, I was also, I was young and half asleep, but from my understanding, he was watching Letterman from the electric company. And so it took me like a while. I was like, why do they put Letterman on late at night when oh, kids can't see him? <laughs> and so then it took me like a little while to be like, oh, this is a different guy. Oh, his name is Letterman. Okay. He's like a different guy. Got it. Got it. Got it. That is so, so precious. That's, <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. So that is my, you know, that's my earliest memory. And then in college, like, it was the kind of thing where like, again, I was working the graveyard shift. So I went to work at 11. So yeah. I would like 
maybe catch a couple minutes of it. I mostly knew about it from like guy classmates of mine talking about it and like yeah. repeating the top 10 lists and, you know, the bit that Letterman did last night. So that was like mostly, and again, pre-internet. So there were no clips to yep. like, you know, to review or whatever. So it was kind of weird to just, it was kind of weird, you know, it, it, it was weird just because like, I didn't know. It's like when they say, like, if you don't know what you can do, like I, I, you know, if you don't know that you can't walk across a tightrope or whatever, yep. you know, that you'll just do it or whatever. If you so don't know I, that I think... there's a limit there. You don't even think about it and you just do things. And exactly. Oh, so I gotta I was... tell you, I gotta stop you with that, with that comment right there, sure. because we've had so many folks, um, a lot of the writers, uh, have have talked about this. Steve Weiner in particular is one I could think of who, when he was on the show, he talked about the idea that um, from the very beginning, like from Dave and Merrill, right from the very start, they like to bring folks in who didn't necessarily have a ton of experience because they weren't, uh, they didn't build these imaginary boundaries that we build inside of our heads and 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 limit ourselves. They yeah. brought in people without a ton of experience, uh, just for that very reason, because uh, the malleable, uh, the idea that they could be a little bit more experimental and 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 maybe do something that isn't conventional. Uh, it's it's very cool to hear that 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 seems to be some of the spirit of what got you the gig. Um, uh, you know, even, even at that point when they were as big as they were, yeah. uh, changing the show the way that they did. Well, for sure. I mean, I wasn't, um, I wasn't extroverted all of the time. It would be like a situation where I would have to get my courage up to like speak to someone or, you know, just a little bit. And, um, when, so when I first got there, I was definitely like sheepish and trying to like lay low and, and stay out of the way. <laughs> but I did, when I got my courage up and when I had a minute alone to chat with Dave, uh, early on, I was like, Hey, by the way, why did you even pick me to be the intern in your office? Like I, we met that day earlier in the summer, you asked, could I do something? and I couldn't do it. And so why did you pick me? And he was like, Oh, yeah, actually, I saw your um, <laughs> I saw your resume on the reject pile. And, uh, and he was like, I looked at your name. And I was like, this girl has a weird name, like just there. That's like gonna be trouble for her. She has a weird name. She went to a not great college, which I could identify with, like, we didn't go to the best colleges yeah. in the world. Um, he was like, I remember that I said I liked your shoes and you said you got them at Marshall's and you were so like weird. And then he just was like, like, like I was going to go buy those shoes at Marshall's. Like he was roasting me a little bit, but then yeah. he was like, and then about the car thing, I just figured, you know, you're a smart girl. You'd figure it out. You know, if you can't drive the car, you'll figure it out. You figure it out. So, um, did you ever have to? I only ever did one time and I probably could have gotten out of it, but the way that I got around it is that we had a receptionist at the time, this yep. guy, Lonnie Hart, okay. and, uh, he was so funny and so great and such a nice guy. And like, he loved Dave's car. And so which every... car was it? Or was it a, a, a plethora, uh, you know, a there were a few different, um, a few different ones, but the one uh, you drove. The one that I drove was a Porsche? Dodge Viper. 
maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's um, not just a stick shift. There's also a learning curve to the learning curve on, on that bad boy. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think that's what, like a red Dodge Viper, I want to say. I have a terrible, because that's how removed from my universe uh, this this all was. But anyway, um, yeah, so every day I would cover the phones while Lonnie would go down and right. park the car. And then he would be back in five minutes, you know, because the garage was right down the street. And so it worked out fine. And Dave also had um, an, another intern at the time, and she totally could drive a stick shift and it was fine. So, you know, so whenever it was my turn to park the car, I would just get Lonnie Hart. You to collaborated park the car. on that project yeah, and, exactly. and together, together succeeded. Exactly. Um, the story about you getting the job. And I mean, you've, you you told it so well. Again, you are a broadcaster as well, uh, <laughs> with with what you do. Um, uh, you know, told expertly. How many times in your life do you think you've told that story? Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I mean, a million, a thousand. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> I say don't know, a lot, a lot. Because <laughs> I, I was gonna say, and I want to know. You know, people always want to know how do you get that, and I'm like, it was just luck. I mean, really, like like my resume being in the wrong place at the right time. You yeah. Know? I, I appreciate you telling the story to set the stage for everybody here. Um, I certainly don't want to get you to retread things that you have done. Oh, yeah, now I got to tell the story again. I oh, that no, story again. I don't mind. Uh, well, I appreciate it very much, <laughs> but I would rather, I'd rather go down some some, some new roads of things that sure. you, you haven't talked about. If there, is, if there is one misconception or one thing that, um, and I'm totally putting you on the spot here, uh, but you're a professional, you can handle it. <laughs> um, <laughs> if there was one thing that, that, if there was a misconception or, or something, that you wish people would ask um about that time um you know what what's something that you haven't talked about when it comes to that particular period of time um that maybe you'd like to kind of get out there uh what would i like people to know about that particular time um I just feel like it was it was an interesting time because there were so many people who were legendary at what they did, but then they're all just like folks, you know, all just like guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was mostly guys. Like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real. It was mostly always guys. Yep. Which uh, we'll probably talk about a little bit more later um, in my journey um nice guys great sure. a lot of great guys um but yeah they were mostly just like regular people and approachable and um uh, you know just a lot of them really willing to share what they knew with me and again in a case where like i would get my courage up and ask somebody like hey can you take a look at this thing that i wrote can you take a look at this joke that i wrote um bill Sheft in particular was such a mentor to me but everybody i mean you know i don't Donick Carey is a very holds a very special place in my heart. John Beckerman as well. Um, Rodney Rothman is one of my favorite people in the world. Remains one of my favorite people in the world. He came there after I did, yeah. um, but we are the same age, and so uh, which was interesting because just <laughs> I had a couple of years there where all of my interns were older than I was, and so that was weird. And then um, Rodney was like the first like person who was my same age, and it was kind of like when 
you realize everyone in your class is the same age in elementary school or whatever, but we were yeah. sort of like on that level. But um, yeah, just everybody was kind of regular and approachable and like just finding out like what their gig was like, you know, like Bill Sheft was like warming up the audience, but also like arranging the monologue and, yep. you know, it, and that was really cool to me because that was a separate job than like what the other writers were doing. And um, yeah, and there were a number of amazing women there as well. Just most of them weren't on the path that I wanted to be on. So, right. um, so Jude Brennan, Barbara Gaines, uh, you know, uh, tons of amazing women behind the scenes, but um, those are two very special women to me, but they weren't writers. So, yeah. Uh, well, okay. So that's, that's the uh, good. I'm, I'm really, it's like you're a professional and you know how to segue. Uh, <laughs> holy smokes. Um, I, I'm really, really fascinated by the idea of the small town farm girl self-professed uh also feral i love how you describe <laughs> yourself as feral when you show up was there that's 100 so feral i mean like I, and i've said this many times but i'll say it like there were so many things that i thought about i thought about dave like oh he has a lot of quirky behaviors you know mm -hmm. like he has a lot of like does a lot of really quirky things and one time i was telling someone like and they were like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, for example, like when we're walking down the street together, he always like jockeys to get on the other side of me. Like what, you know, like the side that I'm on, he doesn't like it. And he like switches it up. And they were like, describe to me what you mean. And so I was like showing them like, okay, so we're walking down the street and then he'll like physically move himself to be outside of me and then they were like no sweetheart that's manners like a it's man a traffic thing right yeah like an yeah. old-fashioned guy will walk near the traffic and and i was like oh i never heard of that i don't know what that <laughs> is you know um but just yeah a lot of things where i was like oh he has like he stands up when you come to the table like at a dinner okay um i never i guess i never saw anyone do that um Yes. Yeah, so. Okay. So there's a good example of the feralness. Yet at the same time, <laughs> you knew you wanted to be a comedy writer. Yeah, that's because of the Muppet Show and oh, um, right on. Oh, uh, Dick that's Van fantastic. Dyke. <laughs> really? The, yeah. I was like, well, I mean, Dick Van Dyke made it seem like it was real easy for a lady with a bow in her hair to be <laughs> one of three writers on a very important TV show. And then the oh, Muppet wow. Show, I just loved. I loved that it was like a show about a show, like behind the scenes at a show. Yep. And when I was very, again, when I was very little, I wasn't, I guess, not the smartest little kid, but I was like, I want to work on the Muppet show. And I like thought that I would like work with the Muppets. Like Kermit would be my boss and Scooter would be my colleague. And then when I guess I was like bright enough to read, when I got old enough to read the credits and I saw a bunch of like human names and I was like, <laughs> Oh, oh, it's not just a... Gonzo. It's yes, also... there's like, yes, yes, there's people that are in charge of this. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. So, yeah, so then I was like, I want to work on the Muppet Show. You know, I want to work behind the scenes on the Muppet Show. So, yeah, so those were the two things that made me really like be like, I want to do comedy. I want to be a writer. I want to make up stories. Um, but it's weird because I don't think, I think the only person that ever thought that I was funny was my dad. Like no one ever told me that I was funny in my life. Yep. Fully through college and me being like at the late show. 
um yeah nobody ever was like you're the funniest <laughs> i mean i was creative but just not never no one ever thought that it was funny except for my dad okay so so uh i i really am excited to explore this uh this element here so there's many examples of writers on the show who started as interns and didn't even necessarily know they weren't even cognizant that they wanted to be a writer but ended up uh, it was almost like uh, being part of the family was more important uh, and and everything can be kind of kind of learned or evolved after that point but but being the sensibility of of who you were and how you fit in um to the to the to the group uh, yeah. was the most important thing three years you were there and and again in when it comes to late show at the time of this recording we we've just hit the anniversary of the 29 year mark of of the very yeah. first late show on cbs um in that three years uh i hate that we're jumping around but i, I like that we're jumping around because it's kind of just <laughs> we're all over the place um at the end of this you're moving over to rosie right did you leave yeah. late show to go to rosie and was were you writing anything were there any elements that you kind of wrote other than your on-screen appearances which we'll get to too yeah. but other than that were you contributing to the show in a writing way in any way at all and yes. did you move over to rosie for that i was uh i I have told this story before, so I'll make it quick. Um, Dave, <laughs> okay. speaking of manners, Dave was big on sending letters. And uh, that was one of my main jobs is to write letters from him, short, sweet letters, thanking people whenever he had to ask anyone for anything, congratulating people for things. He's really old fashioned and he loved a typewritten letter. And so uh, that was a huge part of my job. And I love doing that. Again, got my courage up to be like, hey, Dave, if I'm writing these letters and they're coming from you, in some cases where it's appropriate, should they not be funny? And he was like, I mean, I guess, but oh, wow. <laughs> like they need to really be funny. Like they can't be corny or bad. And I was like, okay. Um, in other and, words, they kind of got to be in my voice. Yeah, they got to yeah. be in your voice, which is like the most important lesson for any writer to learn is that, you know, you have to, it doesn't do, in fact, Dave told me that like right off the bat, it doesn't do you any, it can be the most brilliant thing in the world. And if it's not right for the person's voice that you're writing it for, then it's, it's not useful in that, in that application. So yeah, so I started writing jokes into letters and I felt very safe doing it because because he was so particular about the letters, he would sit with a stack of letters and a red pen and like make corrections, you know, to like how he wanted you to tweak the letter or whatever. Oh my God, now you're really in college. This is the yeah. real education right here. Yes, it was like an wow. MFA and he was so great and he would do it like late at night after the show was taped and um, had already been put to bed. And it was like kind of the last thing that he'd do um, before going home. So he would like be kind of like relaxed and leisurely about it and talk you through it and say like, what you're trying to do here is the rule of threes, but in the rule of threes, it's best to put the funniest thing last. You have it in the middle. This one, you're like telegraphing what the punchline is. And then in, in this one, you know, you have extraneous stuff after the funniest word. So just cut that back. And then once you know all these rules, then you can break these rules, but you have to know these rules. And so it was really, really like a fantastic education. I am blown away by these words here. And as you've told the story, like, I don't, I don't, I, you know, the Nick Cage, again, please go on to the Letterman channel and watch the Nick Cage, <laughs> the, the, Casey talk about the Nick Cage story. It is. Yeah, how great. I learned those lessons. Fantastic. It is so good. <laughs> 
Like, oh my God. Uh. But you talking about that right there, there are, you know, well, when you go to our listenership, dozens, but there are thousands, tens of thousands of people who, if they heard what you just said, and maybe one day they will, um, <laughs> they, that is what a moment, what a, what a beautiful piece of life, a unique moment that many people in the business, even to this day, legends would, would cut off their arm for. Like <laughs> I was so, again, wow. like right place, he's right a time. Me- he's a comedy mentor in, in yes. such an intimate way, yeah. a unique way. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, you know, I was just, um, I had just been an intern like seconds ago. I got hired at the end of my internship at the holiday party. That was exciting. Um, really? And did you know? No, I didn't know. It was like, we had our holiday party, which was exciting. That was supposed to be the end of my internship. And I was like, what am I going to do for work? You know, I think I'm going to stay in New York. Um, am I going to, maybe I'll be a CBS page. Maybe, you know, that, that yeah. was like a natural kind of thing to go on to do at that point. And so we had, um, our holiday party was an ice skating party at Woolman rink in central park. And Dave asked me if I wanted to skate around the rink with him. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny. It sounds like a, like a scene from a romantic comedy, but they're with zero romance. But as we were skating, he said, have you had a fun time in your internship? Do you like New York city? And I said, yes yes and he said would you like to stay and i said yes i'm think i'm gonna stay and then he said would you like to stay in the job that you're doing and keep working in my office and i was like oh yes yeah of course so yeah so it's exciting and i got to come back and tell everyone that i was staying and you know that was exciting beyond um yeah He's big, he's big on like a gesture, like a, like a, you know, um, which is, which is nice because again, like growing up on a farm, there's not a lot of gestures and not, not a lot of like making you feel like you're plucked, uh, out of a crowd or whatever. And he's really good at that, at making you feel like. What kind of a farm was it, Casey? A dairy farm. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, we didn't own the farm. We just lived on, on the land. So I just had like that farm adjacent experience and worked on and off doing things there, I guess, as much as I could stand when I was a kid, but I knew in my heart that I was not ever going to be a a farm girl, um, or a farmer, but yeah. So writing letters then turned into, uh, I really started to study like the people that did the monologue, the people that contributed to the monologue. And so like we had people that would fax in jokes and I yep. would of course like devour them before I brought them in to him. And uh, the monologue jokes would be on like blue copier paper, you know, everything that was a monologue joke was on blue paper so that it could be differentiated from anything else. Can I ask and, you a question at this point? Sure. Um, were any of them Carsons at that point? Um, Because Johnny Carson famously became the most famous faxer that nobody knew about until, you know, at the end or whatever. But but did you ever see any Johnny Carson jokes come across your desk? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Um, Other people would sometimes, uh, I think Steve Allen called one time to ask me to write down a joke. Um, 
and, and give it to Dave. And I was like, okay. Um, a lot of, a lot of fun calls. Uh, that was the, one of the best parts of working in the office, but yeah, so I would really study like what went in and then he'd check them off and ask me to run them to Bill Sheft so that Bill could start building the monologue. Yep. And so I really had like such a, such a, um, a lucky a lucky position to be in because i was reading that stuff every day and so i started to be like well if these guys can do it i can bang out a page of jokes before like my duties for the day start with like dave arriving at nine o'clock so i would like come in early get all the newspapers dave's newspapers because i wasn't gonna like pay for them myself i didn't have the extra two dollars um i would get dave's newspapers comb through them pick out premises, write a page of jokes. And uh, then I was like giving them to Bill Sheft and being like, hey, can you, I know you're busy, but like when you get a sec, can you look at these and see like what holds up and what doesn't work? And he was so great about it. Such a lovely and generous thing to do. And then one day he just was like, they got to talk to you. <laughs> like in the middle of the day near rehearsal. And I was like, Okay. And he was like, um, your jokes have been really good lately. Uh, we were light on monologue jokes. So I put your jokes on blue paper. I passed them in. And he was like, don't get excited. Because th here's the thing. A lot of jokes would be picked through the course of the day. And then they would get winnowed down. And so he was like, I put a page of your jokes in. They don't have your name on it. So, you know let's not worry about it. But then after he was like, he checked off two of your jokes on your page. And I was like, Oh my God. And he was like, don't get excited. You know, it gets winnowed way down. And so I was like, okay. And so I'm going to then... interject here. Don't get excited. It's 27 <laughs> years later and I'm excited <laughs> right now. Holy shit. Like... I know kind of <laughs> wild. It's so wild. And then, so later he came back from rehearsal and he was like, one of your jokes like made it like it's, going to the show and I was like oh my god and then he was like so here's what I think we should do if it goes badly we just will pre like shrug our shoulders just and pretend it never happened yeah. yeah if it goes well I think we should after the show go into Dave's office and tell him what we did and I was like we didn't do anything <laughs> I you have done this sir you have done it and he was like okay 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 but so it was some, you were the last was, vestige of cover in yeah, case exactly. that didn't work it's a exactly. wee thing no it's, it's a wee thing we schemed um so <laughs> so anyway um the joke went on the show it was about like it was something about oj and kato kaylin i can't remember specifically what the yep. joke was um but it got a laugh and so then we went in and Dave was like, you were absolutely right not to tell me that it was you because it just would have been weird. And I would have had like weird, like uh, who knows what would have happened, but it yeah. just would have been weird. Like, you know, either I would have picked it to be nice to you and then gotten nervous and can't, who knows, who knows? Yeah. There would have been but, something else there. Yeah. And he was weirdness. famous for that. Like, like yeah. we've talked to people, uh, Mark Malkoff, who worked for, for, for there for a year, uh, was in the audience. He worked for David Kay's apartment and he, and he talked about like even having familiar certain familiar faces in the sideline yes. 
uh, you know, yeah. it would, it would, that would get in his head for that yes. kind of reason. I think that's a great example of how that thinking is from another perspective of the show, yeah. knowing whose joke it was. Yeah. Um, you know, he had and to I, deal with that with Johnny for sure, knowing it was right. Johnny's joke. You right. know, and and so yeah, that, that's a great that's a great point. And I think he did it, you know, probably out of like a protectiveness from because weirdly, I think like. I think he kind of like divided people into and and I'm going to be honest, I think he divided women into like women that were like being mentored by him and that like women that like made him nervous or so I don't know, you know what I mean? Okay, because yeah. he'd be the first ever to be like, oh, Julia Roberts like wants to go to dinner. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather wax all my hair off my body or whatever, you know, but um, but. I wasn't like in the type of women that made him nervous. I don't think, I think like he, and so I think he was like nervous for me. I think he was either nervous about you or nervous for you. And so I think I fell into the camp of nervous for you. And so I think anything that he would have done would have been like in, you know, in an attempt to be protective, um, whether or not that's like what I would have wanted him to do or whatever. But so anyway, in that instance, he was like, you did the right thing. So then it was really nice because Barbara Gaines like wrote up a freelance writer contract for me and how much I was going to get paid for every joke that I had on the show. And then I just, you know, submitted jokes like in between doing uh you know writing letters and getting lunches and stuff like that so that was and cool. figuring out who's gonna get 75 dollars because their joke was from a fax perspective put in and, and and all that like right what a what a crazy what a crazy world i mean okay i i i i'm blown away by this now um we're gonna come back to some of these letterman stories but i uh feel uh compelled to make sure that we talk about the evolution outside of of late show for you into what you're doing now with busy and 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 i mean clearly we're seeing a beautiful launching pad that's been built um i giller don giller gets mad at me every time i do this because i i i i put you on the spot and i say <laughs> i hope one day we can do this again and we can talk about more of these amazing stories here and we will before the show's over today but of course but but please 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 come back so we can talk about more about this time um I'd be happy to but but at the same time i have to i love the fact that so many folks came on the show we had kellison on not too long ago and i mean uh -huh. the idea you know again a guy right out of the intern program I, we haven't had brian Ted on but he and i've communicated a couple times again yeah. people who have, have have come on the show some you know it doesn't matter how long they stayed in what capacity but the tools that they were given to then go whether you're a writer whether it was a you know whoever whatever it was a segment producer um and then move on and 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 grow and evolve into something like again talking about a college that uh that prepped you for bigger things and and, yeah. and i mean you've become a showrunner since this is happening yeah. like holy yeah. shit fantastic and 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 it's just a testament to to the things that you learned there and then the things obviously after that and your skill set um after letterman how long did you stay at rosie I was at Rosie the entire time. And Daniel Kellison is who run. hired me. Daniel Kellison was our showrunner. Yep. And um, he had made an agreement not to hire anyone from The Late Show. And Daniel and I weren't like BFFs at, you know, it wasn't like, he wasn't like, I have to bring Casey with me or whatever. He just 
called and and said, um, listen, I made an agreement when I left the show not to hire anyone from Late Show, but I've been meeting with Rosie. She needs an assistant. I just think she'd really like you if you are at all interested in that lateral move. Um, I will personally call Dave and ask if it's okay to make an exception because we don't, you know, we don't want to step on anyone's toes, but Absolutely. I think she'll really like you. And so that is what we did. And um, yeah. And, and so I got hired as Rosie's assistant again on a brand new show. That was like an instant smash hit. But I, the difference is that while I kind of, I don't want to say languished because three years is not a long time. And I was a young person, Sure. but I did see again, guys, my age getting made writers at the late show that I believed had less experience than I did at yeah. the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, and Dave and I talked about it at the time and he kind of was like, it's kind of like out of my hands. Like I don't make those decisions, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and he was like, and yes, I am the boss. And yes, I could say you have to make her a writer, but then what is your life going to be like? Like working with a bunch of people that are like, dad said we had to make her a writer. You know yeah, what I mean? Is he throwing so, you into a shark tank essentially? Exactly. Like, he, so yeah, again, yeah. out of protectiveness, I think he sort of like took his hands off. So I, so three years on, I was like, you know, I'm willing to pay my dues, but I think I'm paying my dues like I think I am, and I'm seeing guys. Well, maybe you who, have paid your dues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe and, that's that's just that natural progression. Uh, yeah, you have yeah. paid them at that point. Yeah, and so I was like, I'm seeing guys that are younger than me and that have less experience on this show and at all than I do, um, yeah. lapping me. And I don't think it's that they're more talented than I am. I don't think so. So yeah, maybe I'm gonna go to to this new show and try my luck. And, um, and so I started as Rosie's assistant and I like to say she like fired slash promoted me within a month because she was like, you're too tough. <laughs> she was like, you're too tough. You are like, you're very precise. I'm much more casual, but I really like you. And I like having you work here. So like, I think I was like made an associate producer very briefly. Awesome. And then um, a writing spot came open and they did like anonymous submissions and I got that writing spot. So I was like, I just remember our business affairs office being like, your file is so thick. This is like your fourth job on this show inside of six months. <laughs> like wild. But it's but a new yeah. show. And I mean, you've got people who are, are they're figuring shit out stuff. Yes. Is, it's like you, 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 you've kicked up a lot of sand on the bottom of the, uh, of the, of the, below the surface of the water. And you're just watching it settle to see how it all lays. Um, yeah. I, and I, I I'm had grateful an that advantage. very quickly that happened for you. Yeah. I, I had a real advantage because the thing, every new host, every new host does this. If anyone's listening, who's thinking of becoming a host of something, maybe we can break the cycle. Every new host hires a handful of their performer friends to be writers. And it so often doesn't work out <clears throat> for a couple reasons, because the person's a performer and they have to go off and do that. And that that's their dream. Yep. You know, it's like, it's very nice to have a job that pays very well and that is steady. But the thing is, like a lot of performers, like I have to go audition, I have to go shoot this thing, I have to, so they're not there a lot. So they can't become indispensable in, yes. in many ways. And then also, 
they're performers. So they know how stand-up comedy clubs work and they know how like being in improv groups or whatever it is they do, they know how that works, but they're new, brand new to a television show. Whereas even though I was just a kid, I already had like three years of television show experience under my belt. And I was like, oh, this is like, there are times that things are due. And this is like, in order to get like a monologue that's six jokes long, this is probably the amount of pages that we're gonna, you know, need worth of material to. So like, I knew a lot of that and was able to just generate, you know, and so when I became a, a writer there, um, yeah, it was just like, I guess I just kind of hit the ground running because I had had like a front row seat to knowing how that worked. And I you... thought I was failing constantly, but <sighs> you know. <laughs> Isn't that funny perspective, right? When you look back and you see that you were actually growing, but at the time, like it's that, again, that personal, that old age old, uh, you're either winning or you're learning. There isn't yes. failure. If you choose to not look at failure right. as, as that word, you're learning something. And, and, and it's so funny, our perspectives of things. Um, you clearly were learning so much. And, and, and I love this because I'm about to say something which I, I'm almost positive is true. The moment you got thrown into the seat, you were driving. Like the moment you were re- you were ready for it and 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 you delivered. It sounds yeah, like Yeah, I just Yeah, I mean, it Rosie was a wild trip, right? Because Dave was like I would never think that I would say this, but Dave was such so much more leisurely because it didn't tape until 5:30 in the afternoon. Yep. And so rehearsal wasn't until two o'clock in the afternoon and you know and so it was so much more leisurely rosie was live on the air live at 10 a.m in new york city and it had to be done yes it you know so we had to just go in so much earlier and we had to generate so much more so much more quickly and get it approved and get it polished and get it produced and get it on the air because we're also trying to be topical and so it was like it was really a baptism by fire and Rosie was so great because as I said, like I thought I was very nervous about like, how am I doing? Because I really was just a kid. And, um, and this was her first TV show too. At some point she said to our head writer, Jeanette Barber, why is Casey so nervous? Like her hands shake when she pitches in the morning. And it's weird because we know each other and like, we like each other and uh, I'm not, trying to be scary or whatever why why do you think she's so nervous and Jeanette was like well you know how it is they're they're on 13 week contracts and Rosie was like no I actually don't know about this explain this to me because like this is my first tv show <laughs> like this and Jeanette was like we pick them up for 13 weeks at a time and if you don't generate enough or you don't have enough successes in the 13 weeks then your options not renewed and then that's it it's a wrap and so she was like so she is a few weeks in and i'm sure on days when she doesn't get anything on the show she feels like it's you know it, uh, that spells doom or whatever and rosie was like oh okay thank you for explaining that to me because that is not something that i was aware of prior to then yeah she and then she said do me a favor go to business affairs and ask them to write up a contract for her for two years then go have her sign it and tell her to relax and learn how to do this job. And so I was able to relax and learn how to do that job. I, uh, 
I want to kind of set the table for what the time that this is happening. Like, I, I can't wait for the time that we have a major, well, and late night's changing so much right now. Anyway, I'm super curious as to how things are going to go. Can't wait to have Bill Carter on and, and discuss this stuff yeah. with him because it's fascinating. Like I, it's a fascinating time in late night right now and what it's going to look like a year and a half, two years from now, we don't know. Um, but I'm going on the assumption that late night is still going to be a thing. And, and I have been waiting for the first Uber, uber late night host that is a woman i and i'm excited about it like the one that is yeah. just the, the one that punches through and and because it will be a culmination of rosie during the day like and i mean you know yeah. there's, there's examples before that but 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 rosie during the day and, I, and i'm just talking our lifetime yeah. rosie during the day ellen during the day and 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 you look at the smash hits and and and, and the the following and all of that and the personality that it takes to be accepted, the times changing, all of these things, and and um, learning to do the job. I, I I love that she, in my mind, is is setting the table for when this does happen, and for your yeah. sake and everybody's sake. And she's talented as fuck. I hope it is busy. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like you know, busy tonight. The the show that I was the showrunner of with busy Phillips, who's yep. my, uh, who's my partner on her podcast. And creatively, we have remained partners, we were friends before uh, she Tina Fey, and I were the executive producers of busy tonight. And it felt kind of shitty to have that show canceled after six months after yep. two 13 week cycles. Um, but also we were in good company. That's how long Joan Rivers lasted. You know, well, like, and I think, that's... I think, hold on a second. If you look at Rose, what Rosie did for you, uh, maybe it might be time again, the way that, um, well, and, and let's go back to, to, to Letterman, like Leno got his ass handed to him the first, you know, 18 months or whatever it was that you guys were doing your thing. Right. But NBC and... gave him time to find his voice, right. uh, his, 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 um, you know, he was the lead in for an even bigger story when it came to that with Conan O'Brien. I Conan mean, sweated through his suit for two years. Until those like. 13 week commitments and, and, and some of them were week by week. You know, we've right. had people who've on the show that worked on that show. It was week by week. Well, guess what? You can't learn how to do the job when that is happening. And, and to right. me, uh, he didn't give, or whoever it was that made the, yeah. the decision, didn't give you guys uh, the ability to find your voice at that point. Well, we see it. I mean, like this is, you know, a little bit of something that like, this is a fun podcast and we're talking about fun things, but this has been a weird thing for me. Um, late night and comedy variety is something that I've devoted my life to and yep. it's been my entire career and it's something I'm really passionate about. But then also as a woman, it is wild to me in 2022, we have two women who have late night shows right now we just lost samantha b which yeah. i wouldn't categorize as a strictly late night show it was more of a political you know a political satire show in my yeah. opinion but we're gonna counter right but we just lost samantha b so now we have amber ruffin in Zway, and they're both once a week on yeah. apps yeah you know and and so i'm like what the 
fuck is that? You yeah. know, like what that's insane. And so, you know, and I think like Lily Singh, okay, it, she wasn't successful over on NBC and they gave her what was she on a year or two? I think she I had know, a full year. A full year. But, did you watch that show? Um, I did watch I did watch it sometimes. Me I too. just I think tried to give it like, a chance as, as much as I could. Uh, yes, I just didn't and, connect with it personally, but exactly. And yeah. I think it was one of those things where they were like, maybe like, listen, Lily Singh is a huge star. She was a huge star on YouTube. She yep. didn't actually need the smaller audience of that time slot on, right. on television. And so I think they were trying to like, you know, leverage her YouTube success, not maybe not realizing like, it doesn't translate in the same way. And so I actually, my heart went out to her because like on YouTube, it was about Lily Singh. Yes. And so then when you sit her down and tell her to interview Selma Hayek or, you know, whoever <laughs> she's interviewing, that's just not something that she had been doing. And it would take her time to, you know, and again, like it would take her time to develop a comedic voice that would like appeal to a television audience. And yes. so they made such a big deal of the fact that they gave the show to her, but they didn't make a big deal of her and like teaching her or, you know, just letting her find her groove. Not yep. even, she didn't need to be taught anything. She needed to be allowed to find her groove, but you know, it, how are you going to do that when you just know that your show is like a ticking time bomb? You know, I just, yeah. And so that has never happened for uh, very many women. I know we've been we've been lucky. I think Monique had a late night show for several years and Wanda Sykes had a late night show for several years, but yeah. never certainly, you know, on a major network every single night. Like we're, it's not a 50-50 situation, you know, we there's there were multiple Jimmy's. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's like busy. And I always joke about how there were like double the amount of Jimmy's than there were women in late night at all, you know, and, and we love them. We love a Jimmy, but sure. it's just, so I don't know where it's going. Um, but I do know that, and this is something that I've talked about a lot on the podcast, like I'm increasingly like looking at TikTok and Facebook mm -hmm. where women are turning to like build their own table. So many women, especially over the pandemic, have come to podcasting, not just as talent, but as audiences. And I think it's because television likes to leave things on the table sometimes and mm -hmm. the half of our country half of our world are women who feel apparently underserved by the and that is as much as i loved late show and as much as i love the jimmies and conan and everyone steven everyone who's ever had a late night show yeah. i've never felt like any of those were specifically for me yeah. i felt like you know i was sort of um appreciating what i could about them that's one reason i love the thing that Seth Meyers does where he has like his writers out to do material that he could never stuff do. I can't, uh, yeah. Uh, material. I can't say whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff yeah. I can't say. And so I think genius, that's such genius a genius, bit. a yep. genius bit yep. because you know, my philosophy that I developed really early on working for Rosie was like, Oh, here's, here's the recipe for success. 
on this show, we need to do something that could not or would not be done on any other show and run with it and run it all the way to the field goal. Well, and I want to I want to just throw something back to what you just said before, because sure. I want to continue on this. The other thing about that bit that I love so much is it also feels like like the show's name the heritage of it. it's 40 years old it's late night yeah. um and i think i think uh don't get me wrong i like what jimmy did with it uh, i love what conan did with it i thought conan continued on uh what late night was um then it jimmy's show was very different than what late night was yeah. um you know i could see david letterman back then if they had thought of saying stuff i couldn't say although back then he could almost say anything you know, times <laughs> have changed so much yeah um, i i could see him at late night doing that bit. And then you have Kathleen anchors come out and, right. and say or, 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 you know, if there were female writers at that point, you know, wherever the equivalent was. Um, and he did that with people like Barbara Gaines along the way yeah. and, and, and all of that, um, that Seth doing that feels like it is a real nod. And, and I don't recognize late night with Seth Meyers, um, the way that I recognize late night with David Letterman very often, that is one of the, 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 the few examples where I think that it actually translates to the show itself. Um, so I, I just, I just wanted to throw that out there real quick, but I want to go back to, um, you know, do you think it's going to take like, again, doing this work five nights a week, four nights a week, whatever it is, it's grueling. You're mining for gold and then taking the gold and throwing it on the ground so you can go mine for new gold. Like right. it's hectic, it's breakneck. Yeah. I almost feel like it's going to take someone like Tina Fey or Amy Poehler or someone like that who is already at the mountain going, okay, I'm going to host a late night show now and then and 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 break through or break the you know the glass whatever you want to call it i almost feel like one of the ways that this could actually happen is if someone like that would be the the flag bearer yeah but people who are at that level like people talk about Seinfeld having a, a late night show. I don't want to work that hard. I don't like, want to do that. Tina yeah, doesn't yeah. need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Amy, well, they're both really busy doing the things that they do and like trying to also make shows for other people to yeah, like they're rise. they're makers already. Yeah, rise yeah. to that level. So, um, yeah, and I imagine there probably would have been a time where I imagine, I don't, I could ask her, I could text her and ask, was there ever a time, Tina, when you would have jumped onto a late night show and like taken it, like tried to helm a late night show and- Yeah, would um, you have taken over for Dave if given the, the opportunity? Exactly. Yeah. But I'm wondering like if, if that time ever existed where Tina was like, yeah, I could see myself doing a late night show. If at that point, the powers that be were like, no, she's not ready. Or you know what I mean? Like yeah. there is this, like, there's this, um, to which I would have said, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, are you there's kidding like me? This what does someone have to do to be show that they're ready? Oh my God. There's this readiness thing, you know, it, with women, like, I think that women are seen as, and this isn't universal, certainly, I don't think everyone thinks this. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't think that it's the case every time. But I do think that there's a trend where we think women aren't ready for anything for like way too long until they're way, 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 way too yeah. overqualified compared yeah. to like, their peers in that. And then we think they're too old, you know? Yes. So like the window in which a woman can do anything is like 
feels like a year and then you know and we just haven't cracked it yet yeah. the presidency i've always said that like late night television is a lot like the presidency everybody dreams of becoming that one day wow. and uh we haven't had a woman do it yet yeah. so you know only a few people get to do it and uh so far not a woman for a very long time i wonder like this 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 conversation makes me wonder if it's something that <sighs> Because I think it's important. It, it needs to happen. I want it to happen. Like yeah, of course, I sure. adore Tina Fey. Like, like that, yeah. there's an example of somebody who I, I, I worship the comedy ground that she walks on. I, I love. She's a machine. Oh my god! And I love Thirty Rock. And and <laughs> oh, so, so like so, she's just an example of, of 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 quite a few that I have this regard for. I can't wait yeah. to see it. I always wonder if it's something as simple as the demo. Like, like, like women don't enjoy staying up <laughs> to watch this stuff versus, versus men. And that skews it right there. Or is it just so intrinsically, um, the way that it's always been, and I'm not trying to, to throw anybody on any no, buses, sure. but, yeah. but, you know, or is it just, we need to change the entire culture or is it a combination of both? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think that we know, I think studies have shown that women have less free time during the day to um, to expend on watching television. I think it's about an hour. Women have like an hour less that they, uh, that they can devote to leisure. Um, okay. I think that uh, it's something that we're not used to, but you know, again, prior to Conan O'Brien, we'd never had a redheaded talk show host either. And he took some getting used to. So, you know, um, I think it's that, uh, I think, I think it's bias. I think some is in, uh, some is obvious bias and some is not when, uh, they had me he had me doing press for busy tonight and i remember talking to a journalist who um said <laughs> asked me the question um so conan does his podcast and jimmy fallon does his like uh bonus material on youtube and he was naming all these things all these adjuncts that all these late night hosts do to extend their brands yes but busy is a mother and she's very busy, but is there anything like that she would do if she had the time? It's an and I was like, sort of that question. I was like, sir, all of those people you just named are also parents. They, yeah. <laughs> they also are, should be busy raising their children. They should be, you know, but it's just like, that's yeah. like just an attitude that that guy woke up with that day. Like this woman should be watching her kids, but if she didn't have to, if she had the luxury of pawning her kids off onto a staff, what would she do to make me more interested in her? And so, you I know. have a size 12 foot and God <laughs> knows I know how to put it in my mouth. I swear to God, uh, that is one of the places that I fear the very most that I put my my foot in my mouth and say something like that I I I that I oh if I ever do something like that it's obviously going to be inadvertent because you know I, I don't think I'm I'm a pretty thoughtful man uh yeah. who isn't a monster and you know again I host a men's mental wellness podcast sure but I see due to the pathways that have been created 
uh, in the time that we were raised again, Gen Xer raised some of the, some of us were raised on porkies and meatballs. And, yeah, and, sure. And, and, and so, but that question literally made shivers go up my spine. <laughs> and I, I fear that I'm going to be one of those guys that inadvertently says something just because of the pathways that have been created in my head growing up. Right. I, well, just I, I just, that, that is sort of astounding is like, to me. There's just the fact that you would even like worry that you would say something like that is like, that's encouraging to me. Um, <laughs> you well, know what I mean? Small step, Casey, some but... people, some people I think are just like, no, that's really, you know, that's how it is. Like, you know, just these are really locked into the, and so it's hard to break out of it's, it's really hard to break out of. And then um, the thing that I mentioned earlier, like sort of feeling like, when I'm watching late night, like a lot of it is very funny to me, but some of it I'm like, this isn't for me and it isn't ad exactly addressing my needs as a yeah. viewer yeah. and what I want to see as a viewer. And, um, and like, I get that, right? Because like, clearly, as I was saying, like my guy classmates from college were like, oh, did you see Letterman last night? He did this, 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 like, uh, I can't think of a more genius idea than a top 10 list to appeal to guys who love ranking things in lists more than anything <laughs> more than I've ever loved anything any member of my family yep a guy loves to make a list you know and so that so makes sense you know what yep. I mean it's like whenever I mean if we're ever at a cocktail party together keep your eyes on me because if two guys start talking about like the top five guitar soloists of all time even though i do have like expertise i feel to contribute to that conversation i will straight up walk away from the conversation because there's no way i'm ever getting in on it there's no way they're gonna let me contribute one of the top five guitarists of all time okay i'm fascinated by this first off because <laughs> you said that you and i there's a potential for you and i to be at a cocktail party together which i hope happens <laughs> Uh, that'll so be too. fun. I feel like we're going to be the Muppet show. I think we're going to be, uh, uh, you know, the, the old men up there, Sadler and, uh, <laughs> Sadler Wald and Waldorf. Waldorf. You know, Waldorf and, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to be up there. Uh, you know, I would love that. Uh, that would be, a, <laughs> that's my idea of a fun evening. Um, but second, uh, that astounds me because you have such a, 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 a perfect perspective. As you said, let's, you know, okay. To guys talking about, uh, you know, these guitar solos. First off, I'm a huge music guy. So I'm like, oh, I want to get in on this right now. <laughs> but second, I love, like, I, I, I say this about my wife all the time. I got a wife that will play Mario Kart with me for a half hour before we go to bed. Like I, I, I've hit the jackpot. Dream when life. I, when I, yes. And when I, okay, you talk about the top five guitar solos, not only would I be like, oh, come on, let's talk about this. Cause I want to know the different perspective. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's astounding to me that you have the, the, the wherewithal or the present, um, the ability to be so present and, 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 and aware that, uh, you don't think that you would get a word in which god damn we got to change that shit because because to me the collaboration and 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 the the different opinions are are that's color that's living life in color rather than black and white as far as i'm concerned i i i love that we're talking about this oh my god this is such a great conversation and i appreciate the <laughs> fact that you are a standard bearer for this you are somebody who is literally um you know it's gone beyond oh yeah i was a writer for a late night show i was a show runner and all that you're 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 helping to to to, to rewrite the culture out there when it comes to this and make it better 
I'm um, trying. I'm trying. I'm at least trying to point it out. I mean, when, you know, Meryl Marco, we've talked. There is no Dave. There is no original nope. morning show or late show in the way that we know it without Meryl Marco. And I'd yes. like to remind people that she is basically the mother of modern late night television. Yep. And, you know, she's like she invented stupid pet tricks yes you know like that she was she was the brains in many ways and i think dave would say that um you know but it's just this thing where like you know people are focusing on him and and of course he's he's the star he's the talent sure but it's such it's a weird thing to me um yeah that it's still so hard to get in on that conversation so I want to, oh God, okay. I apologize for interrupting. No, that's um, okay. I want to ask you this question about Ellen and then I want to go back to what you were just saying, okay? Okay, sure, sure. It's a, it's such a, um, I loved Ellen's show. Um, yeah. I, I didn't watch it every day. I, I've got a, I've got a financial firm and other things that I do yeah, and, and yeah. all that stuff. So, so I didn't watch it every day, but I would make a, a point of, uh, it would be on the PVR and, and I would make a point to go through, like I really, really enjoyed Ellen's show. Yeah. Now, my question for you, because you are an educated uh, answerer when it comes to this, um, I always said to myself that there could be the argument to be made that because the David Letterman show in the morning, it was so foreign, it was a different time, I get it. Yeah. Did not work at all. However, basically the exact same show became a culture changing smash hit at late night. Right. Okay. As far as I'm concerned with Ellen, you talk, we talk about this progression that has happened along the way of which Rosie became. And then I think Ellen then came in afterwards and smashed even harder. Yeah. I have asked myself, would Ellen's show have been a hit at late night? Or is it really just the fact that, you know, late show would not be a hit during the day and Ellen would not be a hit at night for some of these, uh, just the culture that we, we live in and the demographics and, and all of that kind of stuff. Do you think Ellen would have been a hit at night? Uh, that's a really good question. Let me, let me go back a little bit myself and say, without Rosie, there was no Ellen. Rosie yes. in my, Rosie would never say this. I'm saying this. Rosie was the template for Ellen. Totally. And you 100%. know, and it, it was a smash success. Yep. It remained a smash success the entire time um she left of her own accord because yep. it was a lot of work and she just wanted to have a quieter life and telepictures signed on you know signed up ellen and it's a lot of the same producers a lot of the same and so i think the spirit of the show uh rosie was the template for ellen yep. um i think rosie did a lot of amazing other things that like weren't that aren't exactly a match for like ellen's skills and i think ellen uh then brought a lot of things that were like her unique skills to that yeah. show but they're that two completely being... different stand-ups as well by the way exactly like, and so it's, exactly. it's the voice thing we were talking about yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know same company same kind of like yeah. ethos i think that fallon is basically ellen and rosie and i oh isn't that interesting yeah i think that it is and i think there is no there is no probably Fallon without Ellen or Rosie. And um, 
So then the question becomes, does it work in late night because it's a guy or does it work in late night because they gave that guy a chance to keep doing it? Right. Or does it, you know, would it work in the daytime? And those daytime, nighttime, like linear times, like they're, they become less and less important, right? Because like any, everybody just watches things when they With watch the DVR and the internet. Yeah, right? so exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. like, so those things like, I mean, my kids don't even call shows like they don't call them TV shows They're yeah. They just, you know, because they yeah. just call them shows because they don't watch them on TVs normally. Yeah. Um, so it's all it, they're all very, very close kissing cousins, those three shows. And so the question is, would Ellen have worked in late night? Would Jimmy have worked in the daytime? Yeah does Jimmy work at night because he's a guy? Uh, does Ellen work during the day because she's Ellen? Um, I don't know. We And we'll never know the answers really because no one ever tried it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't, I can't say that I can blame anyone. Like, why would Ellen try to like jump her show from daytime to nighttime, you know? But what I can say is, and like, and listen, I'm no... Uh, my heart goes out to anyone that feels like they had a rough time at Ellen. I know a lot of the folks that worked there. I love a lot of the folks that worked there. Um, but do I, am I also like, did she get a harder, like, did she get a worse rap for like, yeah. for like, I, you know, people are like, she was, you know, the queen of nice. And I'm like, no, actually Rosie was the queen of nice, but she was also tough. You know, she was a tough business lady, yeah, but like people were, Exactly. And you people are like, Ellen, role, no who it is. Ellen presented herself as nice, but it turns out that maybe she wasn't nice. And I'm like, how many conversations are we having about how nice guys are behind the scenes at their late night shows? Like, I don't, we've never, I mean, a little bit, I guess there have been like little things that have not little, but there've been things that have happened behind the scenes at shows here and there. But I'm thinking like in my entire lifetime, maybe like once or twice, did any any news about any guy TV host, comedy variety host, did did like their behavior made news only yeah. a couple times? It's, you know, and that's something that needs to be shorn up as well. Um, you know, and I and I think in this culture that we live in right now, I, the pendulum has swung so far in this direction in so many different things. Uh, that I think that the truth or the the lessons that need to be learned are kind of over here. Yeah. <laughs> and and, we're and so by the way, one of the lessons that we need to learn is that everyone needs to treat everyone like fucking gold behind the scenes. Duh. But I'm just saying <laughs> when we're talking about inequality, yes. there's been plenty of bad behavior, but I've really only seen one person's behavior repeatedly picked apart. And I'm not condoning anyone's bad behavior if no. if that allegedly happened. I'm just saying um, there's been plenty of bad behavior. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and I'm glad that things are being talked about and an awareness is being created. So hopefully things moving forward, um, you know, I, I love I love that we've evolved. You know, yeah. uh, we look at, uh, we talk about this on the Men's Mental Wellness Podcast all the time. You know, the, 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 uh, the example of fathers that we have seen, um, you know, as Gen Xers yeah. versus like, I, I think about Bill Burr's show, F is for Family. And, and, and yeah. you know, he, he basically is, is, is just telling anecdotes from his life growing right. up. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I think that many times um, 
you know, these examples that we've been given um, and, and, and how we've evolved because of them um, aren't given consideration for the fact that, hey, at least we're evolving, at least we're becoming aware of this stuff. And at least now when, once we're aware of it, we can then start uh, patching holes in the bottom of the rowboat and, right. and, and, and making things better. You are certainly doing that. I, 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 we could do this all day. I fucking day, love this yes. podcast. This is this is so good. I love them all, but you know, again, this one is just—it's uh, so special to me um, having you on here, and and I just Aww. appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, I want to uh, ask uh, kind of two more questions about the present, and then I want to go back to one thing. I got there's one thing I got to ask you about. Okay, uh, about please Prince. do. Um, okay, and. Uh, so, so you and busy doing your thing and I'm going to truncate it just for the sake of time a little bit. Correct me if I get any mistakes here. Sure. Busy gets the show. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't, isn't given the time to find its voice. Yeah. Um, unfortunately cut short. You two are like, no, we've got this synergy where we're, we're, uh, in a place where we want to keep things moving forward. And so, um, and then the pandemic hits, Yeah, the podcast uh, comes out and it's, and it's lovely. It's fantastic. Highly, highly yeah. recommended. We're going to put links to this uh, in our, and who are we, we got nothing right yet, but, but it's coming. <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally coming. Um, we're going to put links to it and all that. Um, nine episodes in 10 episodes in something like that. You have David Letterman as a guest on the podcast. Yes. He famously does not do these things unless you're Al Franken, National Public Radio, or, or something that is really, I hate using this term when it comes to Dave, uh, on brand. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't do this stuff. Yeah. And yet here mm -hmm. it is, he comes on, I assume, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he's doing his old friend and mentee, Casey, a solid making busy go holy shit david letterman's <laughs> coming on the podcast thank you buddy like to me that's how that goes um correct me if any of those things are wrong and and second how did it feel to have him on there all these years later having learned all the lessons that you've learned um uh, it's a it's a fantastic episode we're gonna we're gonna link to it highly okay. recommend it to any letterman fan to listen to uh it, i i love it so much because of the things that you guys talk about it's 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 playful and irreverent but then it also gets kind of deep and there's some substance yeah. stuff there too how did that feel for you well it's always wonderful to feel like a grown-up um around someone that you were such a kid it uh you know at, like i had grown up we can actually back up a tiny bit is that um when busy tonight was still on the air i got yeah. a phone call one day um and it i picked up the phone and he said uh casey this is dave letterman we used to work together do you remember me <laughs> and i said yes we have spoken since uh <laughs> since those days a few times and he was like listen anyway he was like i just want to say congratulations on this show busy tonight oh. someone told me to check it out because they th it reminded them of the energy of the morning show and uh i was watching an episode and i was like i dig this show i like this lady that's hosting it it's fun and then i see holy shit, my old assistant is the showrunner. And he was like, I'm going to be coming to LA in the next couple of weeks. Can I be a guest on the show? And I said, I would love that so much. Unfortunately, the show has already been canceled. And uh, like the morning show, it does have that same energy, the canceled yeah. energy. So um, 
so we won't be able to have you as a guest on the show. And he was like, shoot, well, can I do anything? Can I? And I was like, you know, we have this phone called the Oprah phone. Um, uh, Oprah's called on it. Uh, maybe you would want to call on the Oprah phone. And he was like, oh, no, I can't call on the Oprah phone. <laughs> and he was like, I'm going to just send a video. I'm going to send a video. And so he sent a video just like roasting E being like, hey, busy. It's Dave Letterman. Uh, I love your show. It's so great. E is so stupid because at that point we had like busy had said publicly oh, yeah. the show's canceled. It's Conan and he, talking about NBC when his Tonight Show got canceled. Like, yeah, exactly. All, all off. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, <laughs> Like, you'll be fine. I don't know what's going to happen with E. I mean, they clearly make bad decisions. So, you know, but he was like, I just wanted to say I'm a fan. And like, I was looking forward to coming on the show. Uh, so we'll just have to do something else together. Um, so that was really cool. And I think it was like, especially cool for Busy because like her, her parents were huge Dave fans. And... She cried talking about it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it really you know. right to the heart. Yeah, so um, so that was lovely, and that was a lovely thing to do. But also, um, what you didn't see on the show is that when he did come to LA, he was like, "I want you to like meet with my producers and you know just talk about like talk about your ideas and you know because he had his his Netflix show happening and yeah. um, and so you know besides what happened on the air and what happened on the podcast, he also like just set us up with a meeting um and and talking to like his netflix exec and and uh just people that he knew and stuff where we just it just felt good for us to say like here's the parts of the show that we loved that we think people women deserve to have you know deserve to have every day um here's what we think and and it was just really helpful to like solidify those ideas and have people be like yeah yeah that's that's right that's what was good about that show that you're making yeah. and um so yeah then the our original idea was to just try to continue the show but like not necessarily on television because yep. who needs a network anymore you know um that spirit are... i think survives into the podcast by the way i think yeah. that that's i think that is maybe the if there's a, a an epicenter of the fire uh that 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 is burning that is your show i think that that's probably what it is uh the the the, the idea of um you know you're you're winning or you're learning well we've learned and we've learned that this is awesome and we're just going to keep it going yeah um, just yeah. like you know and and giving people what they want and also like doing what we want and we produced the podcast independently we yep. we had been doing it with a company and then when you know when that deal was up we met with a number of other companies that i think like we could have had a good time working with but we were like actually it'd be like kind of an adventure to figure out how to do this on our own hmm. but also we could figure out like what's real and what's bullshit because we yeah. didn't know we were new to the podcast game and so yeah so we learned like a lot of the things that people tell you like cost a million dollars or that you have to do a, you know you're doing a podcast right here do you have like a giant conglomeration <laughs> not you yet know. hey yeah, walter <laughs> hey walter no no I, i'm I'm actually saying that but i'm also serious like like jay ryan does the cars and comedy show we've got some other people we've we're we're actually actively talking about the idea of the letterman podcast network and and mm -hmm. and and doing kind of the team coco model but with creators who are doing exactly what you're talking about yeah, here yeah i love it 
and having something like that um, uh, in place um, because, you know, having some infrastructure is great, but it's got to be on our terms because we got to still have that freedom to be able right. to do that where you cut through all that bullshit you're talking about here right. to actually get that content out the way you want it to be. And with its own voice, having the time to find its own voice, you're, you're preaching to the choir right now. Yeah. That is exactly what, what we're trying to do here. We so. were just like, we, we want to be able to say when we're canceled, you know, that's like, that was like the bottom line. Uh, we want to be the ones to say, okay, let's call it on this. Yes. And and it's been a couple years and we are still doing it. And, you know, so again, building our own small table that doesn't look exactly like the table we all envisioned for yeah. ourselves to be sitting at, but also there's, you know, the way that we've done it, there's no one to try to talk over. I'm not trying to join a conversation about the five best guitarists to no avail. By you the know, way, who is your, do you have a favorite guitar solo of all time? A favorite guitar solo of all time? I mean, I mean, Prince's guitar solo in Purple Rain is amazing, but it's actually, um, you'll want to watch the first time the song's performed uh, at First Avenue in Minneapolis, uh, the first time that he was like debuting his band with Wendy Melvoin joining. That's a really exciting version of that guitar solo. I know Purple Rain is like so basic for like a Prince fan, um, but it, uh, but I'm saying that because everybody's familiar with drug, it. Casey. Yeah, and they can they can <laughs> sort of uh, they can sort of um, have some familiar familiarity with it and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know that song. Um, I don't want to name some obscure song that no one's going to know, but I do encourage you to look up the initial performance of Purple Rain at First Avenue with, uh, I believe she was 19 years old, 19 year old Wendy Melvoin uh, debuting with the revolution. Oh my God. I, I adore you. I adore this. This is so much fun. Um, and the next time you come on and there will be a next time, if I have anything to say about it, uh, <laughs> we will, let's talk, let's, let's go obscure. Let's talk about obscure stuff. It's uh, Oh, I'd love to do that. Uh, right. but anyway, you, again, it's like you're a professional. Holy cow. No, how to segue. <laughs> um, uh, we talk about, um, the, the, the Prince story again, everybody after not now, obviously you wait till the <laughs> podcast is done. No, wait, hold on. After you like, share, subscribe, so I don't ever have to ask you to do that again. Once Please. we get a certain, then I don't Please. have to ask Also anymore. download it, folks. Download it. There you go. It matters. And and the YouTube and, and share it and all of the things. And anyway, um, after you, uh, hopefully you've watched it actually beforehand, Casey talks about on her uh, moments, favorite moments um, that Walter and the team have put up on the Letterman channel on the YouTube. Uh, she talks about the story with Prince. <laughs> You're all wet. I'm okay. Phenomenal uh, <laughs> way to speak to a demigod. Um, the question I have for you: He performed. Now that there's some, there's some, the famousness about everything, and then there's some infamy about everything. Sure. Um, you were the gal who, at that time, was also getting Dave coffee and also making sure everything was copacetic. Um, Prince called an audible during that performance where he didn't have to go and maybe interact with Dave because he didn't like some of the things that were being said about the symbol. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that's the, um, allegedly, but 
as reported on 60 Minutes. So I think it's yeah, yeah, but you were there. Apparently, I was there. Prince yelling as he leaves, apparently, Dave yelling in the hallway or something like that afterwards. That Do you remember any of the static? after that performance no none of that happened <laughs> i don't think not to like call anyone out um you know that that remembered it that way because yes memory is a funny thing um yes. but it was my job to stick by dave's side when i worked there and so when he went up to his dressing room i was two steps behind him and stood outside his dressing room waiting for him to come out in what we used to call his play clothes which would be <laughs> sweatpants and a formula one racing t-shirt and sneakers yep. um and there was no yelling like irritated that in the segment, I think he had planned to go over and talk to Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince, mm -hmm. and um, and Prince uh, mimed shooting himself in the head and got dragged off stage by uh, two of the guys that were were in his crew. Yes. And so that cut out the portion, the talking portion, and so that made the segment shorter. And so they had to make up time. Frustrating, and very bam. frustrating in a production yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, a little frustrating, but nobody yelled at anyone. Dave would never yell at any. I'm not. I'm not saying Dave would never yell at anyone. That's not true. Dave would never yell at a guest. <laughs> certainly, um, you know, and and some of them probably deserved to be yelled at, but never in all my time did I ever see him say anything rude or untoward to a guest you know i said he's like the king of manners and uh yeah so not to like and the, like i know the guy that i'm saying that said that there was yelling i'm a fan of his as well and i love that guy and so not to like not to poo poo his memory of how things happened but there was no yelling and also also prince i think was like a pretty shy guy and um and so I'm sure in some ways he was just like always looking for ways to get out of talking to people, you know, um, it is much weird. like Dave, by the way. Yeah, exactly. It is weird to me that like Dave wasn't his favorite. And I also think Rosie wasn't his favorite um, because he did repeatedly go on Leno over the years and repeatedly went on Ellen over the years and uh didn't appear on dave or rosie that often mm -hmm. and uh i would have preferred had he made multiple appearances on both shows but he was uh i think he <laughs> i don't know maybe it was like uh maybe his new york vibes made him nervous or i don't know I well don't magnetic know. polarity works both ways it can put people <laughs> together and it can also you know keep people apart that kind of a yeah, thing yeah yeah um casey this has been an absolute delight for me um i think you know you, you probably see uh i wear authenticity on my um, on, on my on my sleeve and i'm just i'm just <laughs> beaming saying this has been so much fun uh Aww. an honor i'm not even being hyperbolous when i say this an honor to talk to you about this um you are an extremely educated mind in 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 this thing that uh, so many of us love uh which is which is late night entertainment and and, and the talk show stuff and have uh, cut your teeth in the greatest franchise ever and it's so fascinating to talk to folks um who have done that i just can't thank you enough for appearing on the letterman podcast together um uh, anything else you want to you want to throw out there before i do a quick outro and we can say our goodbye privately 
No, it's been my pleasure. I'm happy to come back. Um, yeah, I really, I feel very lucky. I learned a lot there. And uh, every time I talk to Dave, that is usually, uh, that's the overarching message is that I learned a lot there. And, uh, and I didn't know shit the first day I got there about really anything, you know, um, not just about television, but just about life and, and living anywhere uh, besides adjacent to a farm. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I just, I learned a lot and I feel very lucky for the lessons that I learned and continue to learn, um, even when they frustrate me, Yeah, as I think I expressed in this podcast. But uh you know maybe maybe someone will learn a little something from me and we'll finally crack the code inches forward man that's all everything <laughs> is and the those inches have 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 frustrations along the way because they're not happening fast enough but yeah i i uh i hear you and i appreciate what you're saying there so much um i, I believe what you just said by the way is i people have always said to me oh you're gonna get dave one day i don't know that that is gonna happen I, that's not the goal the goal is to uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to. I <laughs> love my it. moment with. I'll tell you one day about the moment that I had with him there, that depicted uh, in the pic behind us. But um, you know, I I have been preparing silently in my head in the background in case it ever happens, because you never know what might happen. And one of the things that I know intrinsically that I can't do is just throw out any compliments uh, and 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 talk about how great he is and all that kind of stuff, because that's just it's common knowledge. He hates that. But <laughs> what you just said there. Casey, I think, uh, is one of these rare things. I think it's a compliment that David Letterman would uh, accept. And and you you talking about uh, what you learned there and how he, I think I think he would actually accept that and take great pride in what you just said there. And it was so uh, wonderfully said. Um, thank you so much for, for for doing that at the end here. It's a great, great uh, coda. Um, this has been another episode of the Letterman Podcast. Once again, again, until until enough people have liked and shared it where I don't have to ask that anymore, would you mind liking whatever platform? <laughs> Please like it. Please, Please share like it. it cross platforms. I don't care. However you want to do it. Uh, we're non-denominational here, whether it's the YouTubes, the Apples, the Spotify's or anything else that you have consumed this lovely piece of content. No thanks to myself. All thanks to our guest, um, Casey St. Ong with, with a, a lovely name, not a weird name, a lovely name. Um, <laughs> I just thank you so much for coming on. I thank all the viewers and listeners. Um, thank you for the support so far. Uh, a special shout out to, th to, to Don Giller again, who, who fact checks us. I, love, uh, I appreciate that. Um, this has been a, a great ride. The previous hour and a bit or hour and a half, almost two hours actually, uh, has been evidence of that. And thank you for joining us on it. Uh, this has been another episode of the Letterman podcast uh, with Mike Chisholm. Coincidentally, I am Mike Chisholm. Thank you, and good night. Overcoat and underpants. <laughs>